in your case, for anybody thinking that they've invested with you and they're worried about prices going down, I want to point out that as long as you you have cash flow, you, you're positively cash flowing in an asset, you can hold that indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. positive cash flow is a great yeah. risk mitigation tool. So you can, somebody that's already invested with you can just hold on for five or 10 years, wait for the next cycle and continue to collect cash along the way. And you really don't care what the current valuation of the, the property is worth. Yeah, absolutely. And we always buy uh, cash flow positive assets. We would never buy a property that doesn't cash flow unless it's vacant land and we have another strategy. Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fragnito, and we're back with another episode. And we have Keith Blackborg. Say hello, Keith. Hello, hello. All right. Thank you for joining us. I just came back about two weeks ago from an amazing mastermind group with Keith. He was so kind enough to, to put it on uh, for uh, a select uh, few uh, business owners and really impressive people. I really loved who I met and what I learned. We had some intense wealth creation courses, but Keith, uh, talk a little bit about what you do and who you are. Sure. So I'm in the business of helping business owners and accredited investors reach financial freedom. So after I reached financial freedom a few years ago myself, I looked around and wondered what I could do next. Uh, sitting around watching Netflix and eat, eating Cheetos gets old after a while. And I find a lot of fulfillment in helping others um, reach financial freedom as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I loved uh, your message, you know, and I, I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you at a number of times uh, before we had uh, gone, I'd gone out there and, and met you in person in San Diego. Um, and, uh, so you, you really have an impressive story. You know, I, I talk with a lot of different real estate investors and all of us seem to be so busy, myself included. And I was impressed how you and a lot of your, your colleagues and people in your network also had kind of cracked the code and, and had this mentality that success is actually about having a schedule where you can enjoy your life. And, and that's really financial freedom. It's not about driving the fanciest car necessarily. It's more about having the ability to, uh, have your free time to do what you want to do with your time. So I was, I really enjoyed that, that mindset. Um, but, you know, talk a little, that's not really what we're taught in America. We're taught success is working hard and da, 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 and yep, busy, yep. busy, busy. So how did you uh, come to that conclusion uh, with, with your financial journey? So, well, first and foremost, it starts, any financial journey begins with your vision. What do you want out of life? Um, and then once you know what you want, then you can build in the plan and the resources to get there. So, so many people are caught up with, with, uh, hustling and doing, just trying to obtain wealth, trying to run a business that they forget that they're the whole point maybe is to become wealthy. So people become so focused on just, uh, building their, their wage or their business that they don't make time to become wealthy. And by just a change in focus on that, ultimately wealth growth, growth should be the focus instead of just running in a business. Uh, well, that change in focus may help people reach financial freedom much quicker. And if you don't have a destination, like you you've set in your vision, then you could end up growing your entire life where you're hustling and doing stuff, but never reach financial freedom just simply because you don't have a destination. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's important to know when you're at your destination as well. You know that if you don't know what your destination is, you know that uh, you don't know when you're there, of course, or if you're reaching towards it every day, right? So it's yeah, uh, it's interesting. So all right, and um, 
I know you had your own financial journey. Uh, you know, you had uh, worked to build some real assets that produce uh, passive cash flow. Yeah. Uh, you're doing some really interesting stuff now that we can talk about in a little bit. But how did you uh, get started uh, building financial freedom? So I started off buying rental houses in 2010. I moved from San Francisco to Dallas, Texas. Some of it uh, was a mixture of luck and some of it was taking advantage of the opportunity. So at the time, I saw that houses were... Uh, you could buy them for less than what you can build them for. So I started buying rental houses. I was doing the occasional flip. I started at 25 and my wife and I just, uh, we had no kids at the time. So we just started buying rentals. We got to a point where we had 10 rental properties. And then from there, uh, I realized I could go buy a hotel because how many rental houses does it take to equate one hotel or apartment complex? So there were greater economies of scale with um, doing those larger properties. So I think the biggest mistake I made was not going commercial sooner. Mm -hmm. And it feels difficult when you haven't done it before. But once mm -hmm. you do your first or second commercial deal, you realize it's it's not that much more difficult than, than sure. doing single family. Uh, along the way, I had a, a CPA firm focused on high net worth real estate investors. So I worked a lot with apartment syndicators in the Dallas area. And I had some advanced tax strategies that allowed me to save people a lot of money, typically about 10% of their adjusted gross income. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, because I saw so many apartments and I was in the business myself, I could then provide um, tips on how to make their businesses more efficient. So maybe your property taxes is too high, go talk to this property tax consultant or your insurance is too high, consider a captive insurance uh, policy to build your own retirement plan uh, without and while saving your tenants money at the same time. And so uh, eventually I got to this point though with the CPA firm where um, I had 400 clients, had five staff, I could never ultimately get away. Um, right. And for me, it caused a lot of friction in my marriage. So ultimately I decided to sell the CPA firm. I transferred my, uh, put money with some of my best clients. I had a great view of who was doing the best deals and that worked out really well from that perspective. Sold a lot of our um, real estate holdings over the next two years and then we just went and traveled. So we traveled for 14 months out of 24 months, literally went around the world and saw every continent except Antarctica. <laughs> and from there, we kind of came back. We had a great little souvenir from our from our trip. Our son is now 20 months old. <laughs> um, and so a financial uh, journey is a manifestation of those dreams to help other people reach financial freedom. So I now see myself as a wealth connector, either connecting people with the education and concepts to get them to where they need to do the realist, the, uh, the deals, which could be uh, like, like a deal that you're putting together. I know you, you offer great deals for passive investors. So maybe I'm connecting people to you um, can also just be the vendors and the professionals beyond that. So I'm not looking to replace your tax professional or your financial advisor. I'm like a, a second set of eyes that really kind of comes behind there and is an independent third party who can help you uh, work through all the uh, wealth tax um, financial matters that might help you in your journey to financial freedom. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I liked about your service. You really are an addition to a good CPA and a good bookkeeping firm, which is necessary for the day-to-day -day operations and filings of a business, of course. But you're more of a tax strategist, right? And, and we, we, yes, uh, what we were talking about was an overall view. And you know, an individual like me with the management company and all the holdings and the fix and flips yep. and employees, I have a lot of different tax avenues to be able to uh, avoid 
all types of uh, attacks. And um, yes. so, you know, really interesting stuff. I mean, I, I had a three-day session with you there and, and your group at the Mastermind. And boy, those were in-depth sessions. You know, I, <laughs> what was my feedback? Your slides have so much information <laughs> to break them down. Right? <laughs> it was incredible how much information you were giving us. And uh, those wealth strategies was really what I liked. But also, um, Keith, what impressed me about you was you actually put these in motion, right? I, I know a lot of people in the business of tax advice or financial advice, um, right, are, are in the business of giving advice, which is nice. But uh, I like people that are actually also exercising that advice and, and doing it themselves and successfully doing it and showing, hey, this works, you know, and, and, and yeah. I look at this financial freedom because of it. So, um, you know, that that was really um, nice to see that. And um, I don't really want to advise somebody to do something unless I've done it myself. Or I've walked very closely with the client who has done it. So the moment I recommend something, I want to be able to have done it personally so I can know logistically how all these things not work, not just a theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's so important in today's day and age to have people you're working with in business that actually have the experience and actually practice what they preach. Um, right. Because, you know, real estate tends to be uh, a place with a lot of different people uh, preaching different things and, and practicing different things. And, and uh, there's lots of ways to make a buck, but it's important to recognize the, the right avenue for you and then execute, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank so, you. Definitely. No, I like that. So now um, it's interesting how you got into the ho um, hotel business. You know, I'm right now at one of our Airbnbs. You can see it says relax and unwind behind me. And all I do is work when I'm up here. So obviously we're relaxing and unwinding here the, as we like to do. But um, the hotel industry. So um, what, what are some of the pros and some of the cons? Obviously, there's some challenges right now building going on. And, and how are you kind of working through that? So uh, I'm no longer in the hotel business. I got out back when I thought the market was at, at a high between 2018 and 2019. And I'm ah. glad I got out when I did. Uh, <laughs> I like but, that but crystal ball you have. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> you have a good crystal ball, it looks like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so frankly, uh, hotel business, I, I saw apartments. They seemed really competitive at the time. Mm -hmm. And I wish in hindsight, I had gone and done more apartments but I did hotels partly because I they they didn't feel like they were as at as high of a price point. I also saw the opportunity for a rapid turnaround. So one of the projects I did was I bought an independent hotel at maybe forty percent occupancy, mm -hmm. and then I I put a flag on it, put a brand on it, um, a choice branded hotel, and then uh, the property jumped up in a year and a half to eighty eight percent occupancy. And did some rehab and stuff. And so within two years, I gave uh, a 50% return on my investor's money. In effect, was able to flip the uh, the hotel. Um, so that that was, in my mind, a, a great deal. What I did not like about it is it's much more complicated. So there's more staff to manage guests. There's potentially more drama. So with an apartment complex, hopefully your tenants are turning over less than once a year. Right. And with the hotel, it's every night or every few nights, and you always have people coming and going. Uh, and then you can just imagine from an accounting perspective, you've got Expedia, Travelocity, all these different online travel agents that all have two or three different programs on how they might collect revenue, and you've got to somehow reconcile all that. Uh -huh. So there's just a lot more complication to that. The, the takeaway I learned is when I approach commercial, 
I can do just about any commercial. If I can learn how to buy it and I can uh, find uh, people who want to go in on me with it, I just need to have good management mm -hmm. and they can take care of the operations. So the mm -hmm. key to me was focusing on buying and getting things at a good deal and understanding that component to it. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and that's what we recognize too, is we branched more and more into short-term rentals over the last few years. Um, my, my wife has developed a uh, short-term rental management company and I've helped her along the way uh, and people's capital group in general, we've given, you know, she works with our uh, accounting and bookkeeping firm that we work with. So, you know, our companies are very uh, intertangled in that sense because we work so closely together. And it's been a really interesting journey seeing my um, property management company, PCG Property Management, which focuses on managing apartment buildings in New Jersey and all the, all the growing pains with that over the last five years. And then um, seeing, you know, overseeing my wife's uh, hospitality management company, it's completely different. You're, you're really, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges um, in a lot of ways. And then there's a lot of similarities, of course, as well. It's about systems. It's about having good boots on the ground, good people that you're working with, right? Whether you're doing year-long leases or, you know, a new, a new guest every, every night or two. It's all about those systems, but um, <clears throat> they're different systems, you know, for different types of properties completely. So, um, but yeah, that, that's really interesting. I'm glad you were able to develop that and have that experience. Um, and now you're more focused on multifamily primarily at this time. So this time around, I'm, I personally, uh, am investing passively in a number of deals. So I just look for great syndicators like yourself who I can connect with, connect clients with, and I pick the best of the people I see. I like, I like syndicators who have their own management company. Mm -hmm. I find sometimes with syndicators who are have a third party property management company, sometimes they're not as efficient uh, with that. And so they don't get as good of a deal or returns for their investors. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I connected with you and I like the way you did do business. Okay. Um, so now I, I've transitioned to where I focus primarily on just ver finding great passive deals. I learned that same time I gave my clients a 50% return on their money in that hotel deal. I have a good apartment uh, syndicator, former CPA client, who's also a good friend. She did 105% return to investors in that same time period. Wow. So I realized that I could make just as much money by just finding other people who have done it before and put money with them. And then I don't have to go through the headache. If I really want to get into the business, yes, maybe I can do so. But I know it's competitive in apartments right mm -hmm. now. So I'd rather find somebody who already has some of those established relationships, invest with them, and then maybe maybe see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the right mindset because you can't be everywhere at all the time. you know. And the real way to build wealth is to have passive investments going on while also actively looking for good passive investments in itself can be an active part-time job, right? Yes. And, and yes, connecting with those, right? And making sure those, those operators are the right uh, deal. So for people that are looking, you know, shopping essentially for a good place to invest their capital. Um, so one of your rules is you like them when they have a management company in-house. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you've been doing this for years. So what are some other tips you might have for people that are shopping around, maybe for their first passive investment in real estate? You know? So... One, I, I, I like to see a track record. I, it's ideally not their first deal. There's a lot of people on their first deal and I don't want them to make their mistakes on my dime. So I want to know what their track record is. I generally look for at least a 12% return on my investment over the life of the investment. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's going to be locked up for over three to five years, I just want to make sure it's a 
good deal and and that I like the people I'm, I'm going to be doing business with because in, in effect, we're almost in a marriage, uh, uh, in a relationship for that time period. And uh, as a passive, I want to make sure that I connect with the, uh, the syndicator. And alternatively, I also want to be the kind of person that a syndicator wants to have in their deal. So I want to be easy to work with as a passive. I know I've been on both sides of that fence. So uh, generally easy to work with. If I have questions, I'll answer, but I don't want to pester either um, over, over little things. Mm -hmm. um, I also like the idea um, of maybe being ge geographically diverse in a few different markets. Sure. Um, I also like the idea of maybe even investing in some Airbnb units for somebody that knows what they're they're doing because there's significantly higher ROIs re return on investments with that. Um, and if somebody else is willing to take on the main headache and hassle of that, the management of those, then that seems like a really good deal for me. Yes, as we've seen recently with COVID, there's some risk to that. But overall, those have bounced back pretty quickly, especially over the summer, depending on what areas you have them in. Sure. Yeah, I was amazed how much they bounced back. You know, it was frustrating when they shut down Airbnbs in uh, March and April, but then they allowed us to start booking again. Um, I think it was around like mid-May and it was crazy. It was like you flicked on a light switch, you know, at least where I where I own out in rural New England, because uh, everyone's trying to get out of Boston, New York. And, and uh, we, you know, Seth and I were looking at the numbers as we do every week, every quarter, every month. And we we're like, holy mackerel, it, it, it's just been you know, let, let's see where this goes. Let's wait another month. Let's see if this still is happening. And then it, it even grew from there into June, July. So then we doubled in to uh, rural New England, uh, Airbnb. So, you know, really incredible stuff that's going on in the market right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it looks like in the past, I don't know, maybe a, there was a little bit of reading the market, a little bit of luck. I think all of us, as investors, have probably a little bit of both sometimes, you know, but what are your thoughts? What does your crystal ball tell you for, What's going on, you know, with the, the COVID, it looks like there's a vaccine coming out. How much of an impact is it going to have on the real estate market? I mean, right now it's it's hot. Property values are going up. Rent's going up. People are investing. Um, when's the party going to stop? You know, is it going to stop anytime soon? You know? Uh-huh. Boy, uh, I would say with multifamily, I, I'm always looking to buy when I can buy at a discount. So I'm a value investor. When I can find value or I can invest with somebody who's found a great deal, that's when I, I, I want to buy. Uh, multifamily right now is, is one of the hottest asset classes. It's a great time to be an owner. If you're selling, you're selling at record highs. Mm -hmm. uh, on, on the, and everybody who's in the office space or retail space is kind of looking to go to, to uh, multifamily. Mm -hmm. um, maybe self-storage. Um, there's some other things out there. But if you can get in with a syndicator who's getting great value when, when they're buying, then I think that's that's a almost a no-brainer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like multifamily. You know, when when no one really knows what's going on, is like the fail-safe, right? In my opinion, I've I've always gone to that. I think flipping houses can get a little dicey around this time. We're a bit at the top of the market. I think you know there's still opportunity there. We're still flipping a bit and wholesaling. I think wholesaling is a good uh, indicator, but wholesaling can be very tough in a, in a buyer's market phase one. And uh, just to clarify, so what I mean by buyer's market phase one for our listeners 
is uh, the real estate market ideally moves in four phases. Although we're, we're not even sure if this is still the case, right? Your, your economist will tell you, it'll go, you know, buyer's market phase one, where, you know, cheap, cheap properties, that was like 2008 to 2011, then buyer's market phase two, you know, I was like 2012 to like 2015, and something kind of switched around then, at least in the Jersey market, and became a seller's market uh, phase one up to about 2018 or so, and then arguably a seller's market phase two now, we're getting into here. So the next cycle uh, is the buyer's market phase one, which would indicate prices would drop or at least remain stagnant for some time. Um, you know, I, I really actually welcome foreclosures starting up again. We have to have that inventory on the market. It's a process of our economies is how it works. Um, it, it motivates those owners to put those properties on the market and, and move them to owners that can then renovate them or live in them and pay taxes. And that that's how our our economy works. So um, I think that when we have these foreclosures, my crystal ball is saying that it's going to actually bring the market down to a healthier place where the, the inventory is not so tight, you know, so tight. I see unemployment dropping. I, I think we're going to come out of this all right. We'll figure out who the president is. The world's not going to end, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll soldier on. Um, so that's what my crystal ball says, in case you were curious. You know. So I will also say that back in 2016, interest prices were rising. Mm -hmm. I was concerned that we were going to have a drop then. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually sold a hotel based on thinking that that was, that was the time to get out. Uh, it would have been better to hold a little longer in that case. Um, in your case, for anybody thinking that they've invested with you and they're worried about prices going down, I want to point out that as long as you you have cash flow, you, you're positively cash flowing in an asset, you can hold that indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. positive yeah. cash flow is a great yeah. risk mitigation tool. So you can, somebody that's already invested with you can just hold on for five or 10 years, wait for the next cycle and continue to collect cash along the way. And you really don't care what the current valuation of the, the property is worth. Yeah, absolutely. And we always buy uh, cash flow positive assets. We would never buy a property that doesn't cash flow unless it's vacant land and we have another strategy. But uh, for the most part, uh, that is, you know, the most one of the most important things to us is a cash flow positive asset through good times and bad. And also when we go to project our long term equity growth, we're extremely conservative and just basically assume inflation keeps happening, which is generally what we've seen for the last hundred years. So um, you know, and, and that's, that's really it. I, I think that I've seen, like, we just did a refinance yesterday, Seth and I, and we pulled out nearly a million dollars of, of equity uh, growth over properties we've owned just for years in downtown Newark. And the rates are so low right now. And there's so many good places we can reinvest that capital um, that we're going ahead. And it was really successful refinance for us. And, um, you know, it just goes to show like what we're talking about with the wealth strategy, that's a million dollars of tax-free money into our business, right? We didn't sell that package of properties. It's still cash flowing, you know, albeit it's going to cash flow less with a larger mortgage, but it's a, a healthy amount of multifamily housing in a high demand market. Um, and the values have just, you know, really been amazing since the, over the last eight years. And um, and that's kind of what we talked about at, the, at your, um, you know, your, your our mastermind session there. The, some of those wealth strategies. So what are some good, just general tips maybe for our listeners uh, to wrap up here uh, for, for tax strategies, you know, saving on taxes? What are your, some of your core principles there? So just real simply, a lot of people will talk about budgeting and spending, and you can go into that to control expenses. But if you're just setting aside 15% of your money for uh, investing, that'll grow in, with time. So just set aside 15% 
I would say uh, three change, three things to be able to accomplish anything is know where to apply your focus, mm-hmm. have a community of people that support your goals. And then lastly, have the habits that will get you there. Goals are merely waypoints in your, your, your habits uh, of successful habits. So figure out the habits that will get you to the wealth goals you need, which could be setting aside money uh, for investing, could be having great deal flow. So start building a network of great syndicators like Aaron and just know when those deals are coming in and the better deal flow you have, the more you'll, you'll have your pick of those deals. Mm-hmm. I would also suggest that you focus on the process, not the project. So mm-hmm. a lot of people think, hey, I'm going to do this one project or I'm going to do this one house. Or I'm going to do this one investment. Instead, if you can turn that into a process where you are in the process of always having great deal flow, you're in the process of networking, you have a way to just record that or you have a way to uh, routinely evaluate great deals, then um, your outcome of reaching financial freedom is just merely an eventuality, not a, not a when or an if. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. That's great. That's great. So Keith, how can people contact you, learn more about what you do? Sure. Uh, my website, financialjourney.life. Uh, happy to send me an email at Keith at financialjourney.life. And I'm happy to talk to people if uh, they'd like to continue the conversation. That's great. That's great. And yeah, I, I really think it's it's important for our listeners out there. If you're looking at your tax strategy, if you're thinking, how can I pay less taxes and build more wealth? Keith really blew my mind at the Mastermind Group. And if you are looking to connect with more people, Keith's a great guy to know. He's really a, a real connector. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I like about you, Keith, you're not an asshole. You know what an asshole is? I do not. <laughs> someone that just asks for things. All right. You're a giver. You're someone that, that creates opportunity. Uh, you don't necessarily charge for your, you know, and I like that. And that I mean, good, good things will come back to you. And, and they, they have I, I know if I'm consistently delivering value and I'm focusing on serving others, I'll, I'll make money along the way. I'm not concerned about that. I've, I've already reached financial freedom. I'm comfortable where I'm at. So I'm, I'd rather just, I, I get more fulfillment by helping others. So I like the opportunity when I get to help. Yeah, I love that. I love that about you. Great, great. And thank you uh, for our listeners here. If you want to learn more about People's Capital Group, of course, I'm your host, Aaron Fregnito. You can learn more at uh, peoplescapitalgroup.com. We have some webinars there you can watch. You can sign up for a live webinar, learn how to self-direct your IRA, or just passively invest in real estate. We have apartment buildings in New Jersey. We have short-term rentals in rural New England. We're doing a lot of different things these days, very exciting investments. So you can learn more at peoplescapitalgroup.com and check out our podcast. So we're going to keep on doing this every other week for our guests. And thank you so much, Keith, for coming on. I'll put your uh, uh, contact information in the show notes for our guests there to take a look at. All right. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. 